0: Hey, it's Amalia Dempsey here, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I've noticed one thing that separates those who succeed with their horse in a way where they are both happy and those who constantly struggle and seem to always be having issues with their horse. Every horse training method relies on it. Every person you see doing something fancy with their horse has nailed it. And every time you see a horse and rider together and you think, wow, I want what they have, They've all got one thing in common. They've nailed the fundamentals of horsemanship. I know, I know it's not very exciting because you might think you're past the fundamentals. At least that's what I used to think. After all, you might have been around horses for a long time and you're probably working on more advanced things right now. But until you understand that the advanced things are just the fundamentals done to a high quality, You probably won't succeed consistently in a way where both you and your horse are happy, communicating clearly with each other, confident in various situations, and ultimately sharing that beautiful connection we all want with horses. Those that succeed in this way have nailed the fundamentals of training horses. And those that don't succeed, they don't even know what the fundamentals are. And as a result, they always feel a bit stuck, lost or confused with their training, constantly relying on an instructor to tell them what to do, or they jump from program to program looking for that guru who has all the answers. And trust me, they don't exist. I've already searched high and low. Even when I help people who have done other methods or have tried some groundwork that they've seen on YouTube, they still don't really know what these fundamentals are and why they are doing them and if they are doing them well. If you have no idea how to do these fundamentals to a high level or even what they are, you're missing huge and vital pieces of that 10,000 piece horsemanship jigsaw puzzle. And until you have these fundamental pieces in place, your overall picture with your horse will not look or feel how you want it to. But don't worry if this is you, because I was once there also. I had been around horses for a long time. I was even competing and winning. But you know what? Something was always a bit off. And I knew deep down that I was destined for more in terms of what I wanted my relationship with my horses to be like. Once I personally implemented these fundamentals with my own horses, everything changed. And now because of these fundamentals, I can do more advanced things and I can independently problem solve with confidence in my own decisions. It's why I can quickly assess a horse and rider and work out what the underlying problems might be. Because usually one or more of the fundamentals is majorly lacking, and the root cause of their horse's unwanted behavior, including things like being distracted or unfocused, tense and spooky horses, pushy horses, and horses that feel like they're they're ignoring you or don't understand you, quote unquote lazy or unmotivated horses, or more specific things like. Horses not wanting to be caught, not standing still for the farrier, not standing still for the mounting block, refusing to go onto the trailer, not accepting their tack easily, and lots of other specific problems. Just imagine how it would feel to be riding bridleless. Spoiler alert, it's the best feeling in the world. Or even just riding bitless, or even with a bit, but with really light cues and having your horse want to be in your presence and really enjoy what you're doing together. Imagine having your horse focus on you and understand your cues completely. Even imagine sharing special moments lying down with your horse. And imagine asking your horse to do something and they actually understand you and want to do it. And even when they don't, you know how to problem solve your way around it in a way that doesn't force yourself or your horse into situations that you both don't like. And in case you're thinking, it's not possible for me to achieve these things with my horse, I've already tried everything. I'm not a horsemanship guru who has started thousands of cults and I'm not even a naturally gifted horsewoman or rider. I'm just a regular equestrian girl who just found a better way of doing everything with my horses. And I've done all the research because you guys know that I'm a total horse nerd. I've put thousands of hours of practice in. I've studied different methods. I've made so many mistakes and I've discovered what works and what doesn't for lots of different types of horses and people with different problems. So ultimately, I can guide you to do the same and help you avoid some of the mistakes that I made along the way. Not only have I implemented these fundamentals with my own horses, but I've taught people in person and online all over the world, how to really know, understand, and implement these fundamentals with their own horses successfully where they are now achieving their more advanced horse goals. But to begin with my students, they were making the mistake of skipping the fundamentals and trying to do the fancy stuff first. But once they went back to the fundamentals, they realized what they were missing and doing wrong. Are you trying to do more advanced things with your horse, but it's not working? Does it feel like your horse doesn't understand you? Are you worried you might be doing the wrong thing or messing things up when things don't go to plan? There's one thing separating you between where you are now and where you want to be. And it's these fundamentals and how you are doing them. And I promise when you get these fundamentals under your belt, the road to the advanced things will be much more clear and simple. And that is why I made Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy, or HFA for short, a transformational online learning experience for heart-centered equestrians who want to create the ultimate partnership with their horse, understand and connect with their horse on a deeper level, have light cues on the ground and when riding, build confidence and relaxation in themselves, their horses and various situations and implement the essential foundation for a willing, calm, trusting, and happy equine partner. Everything you need to know about HFA can be found at AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy and you'll be taken to a page with all the information there. I will also put a link to the Academy in the show notes of this episode. Plus, when you go to that page, I actually have a 10-minute workshop on the fundamentals that you can watch right away. Seriously, take what you learn in HFA and run with it. Your life with horses will be changed forever. Some of my members have even said it has literally changed their life. Plus, if you're listening to this in February or March of 2023, right now is the perfect time to join because I'm giving you four live group coaching calls. These are bonus coaching calls um, with me as you progress through HFA. So I can help you troubleshoot and problem solve all the questions that you might have along the way. These live group coaching calls are not something that's usually included in HFA. So if you're the kind of person who feels like you need more support and accountability as you work through an online course, now is the time to join. I'm doing the calls in March, April and May. So make sure you jump on board now if you're considering joining and you want that extra support. Just head to AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy to find out more and make sure you sign up before March 22nd of 2023 if you want to be included in those live coaching calls with me. It's going to be so much fun to connect with you all. I'm super excited and I really hope to see you inside of HFA. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a light, happy and willing partner. I'm your host Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship and equine learning theory. And now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication with your horse so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing the partnership. Get more learning resources, including my free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com. Click the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a rating and review or screenshot this episode and share on social media. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 50 of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, How to Help Your Horse Be Calm, Confident, and Trusting, part two of the Horsemanship Fundamentals series. So, welcome to this three part Horsemanship Fundamentals series where I talk about the three fundamental pillars of horsemanship connection, confidence, and communication. And today is all about confidence. Before I jump into the confidence aspect, I just wanna touch on the importance of the fundamentals. You know, I'm crazy about the fundamentals because, well, you know, nine times out of 10, when I go out to um, teach a lesson, we're working on the fundamentals because usually the whole is there. Usually that's what we need to get better in order to move on to the more advanced things. And quite often a lot of the people that I teach anyway are people who are new to horsemanship. Perhaps they've had a background in equestrian or competing or more traditional ways of being around horses. And now they're curious about perhaps having a deeper relationship with their horse and having more clear communication and, And having a little bit more of a kind of deep and fulfilling experience with their horse, right? It's no longer about winning ribbons and um, looking the best and that kind of thing. They want something that's more meaningful and they've connected with that deeper reason as to why they have horses in the first place, which, you know, is usually about connecting with another being. So I am a bit of a self-development nerd um, and I, I really like quotes, like positive quotes, inspiring quotes, quotes about self-development. And I've actually found some to do with the fundamentals because it's not just to do with horsemanship, it's to do with life, it's to do with business, it's to do with career, it's to do, it's to do with everything. You know, there's fundamentals in every area of our lives. So I found some pretty cool quotes that I want to share with you. The first one is by Michael Jordan um, and it goes, get the fundamentals down and the level of everything you do will rise. And I can totally relate to this because I feel like um, everything that I do with my horses now having established these fundamentals, it just, it feels so much better for me and the horses. I can move on to more advanced things more easily um, and it just everything feels elevated, right? I also feel like when I, when I get my students to a level where they have these fundamentals in place, I mean, don't get me wrong, we're always going back to readdress some fundamentals and the fundamentals are always, we're always sort of working on them to some extent. Um, but once they're fairly established, I feel like our, we can get so much, so much more done in our lessons in terms of we can move on to kind of like more exciting things because those fundamentals are in place. The next quote, also by Michael Jordan. He was obviously all about the fundamentals and obviously a very successful sporting person. So kind of makes sense. Winners don't just learn the fundamentals. They master them. You have to monitor your fundamentals constantly before the only thing that changes will be your attention to them. And I really like this too, because um, I think, you know, we can fall into the trap of kind of skimming over the fundamental fundamentals. But it really is about Absolutely mastering them, getting those fundamentals even better. And I say the advanced things are just the fundamentals done to a high level, right? So if the high level stuff isn't working, you probably got to go back and address those fundamentals. And I love how he says you have to monitor your fundamentals constantly. And, you know, I, I still go like if I'm having like a little issue in my training or we're not progressing or something, I still go hmm, maybe one of my fundamentals is off. Like maybe my connection is off. Maybe I'm not being clear enough in my communication or I'm not um, understanding my horse's communication or my horse is actually not confident that, that there's actually an underlying level of tension around this. So yeah, it's a, it's kind of a good problem-solving skill, a problem-solving tool to have as well. And yeah, I just think that, um, and, and this attention that Michael Jordan talks about In terms of the fundamentals, like your attention is constantly on those things. The next one is by Robin Sharma. He's like a bit of a kind of guru in the self-development spiritual space as well. Um, And he says, success is all about consistency around the fundamentals. So yeah, it's not just about doing, um, you know, two or three groundwork tasks here and going, yep, that's done, I can move on now, um, which is kind of what I thought when I first got into horsemanship. Honestly, I just thought, oh, will just do some fun little horsemanship clinics for a while and tick that off, and then I can crack on with my dressage goals. But then when I really dove into the fundamentals, I realized actually, wow, this is, a, this is the basis of everything. Like this can actually take my dressage to the next level because I will have a deeper connection with my horse. I can communicate more clearly and therefore have lighter and more invisible aids. And you know, I can help my horse be more confident rather than thinking, oh gosh, they're just in a spooky mood today. Oh well, like that's just the way it is. It's like, no, there's things you can do to help your horse be more calm and relaxed, which is what today is about. But I've got um, one more quote. Um, and that is, sometimes the best way to learn is to return to the fundamentals. And that's by John C. Maxwell. And this is so true as well. And I'll give you a good example of this. So um, recently, I don't know if you've seen on my Instagram, but recently I've been having online lessons with uh, a girl called Kelly from the Netherlands. She is a PRF queen. Okay, so it's been one of my goals to learn how to teach horses how to PRF, both for their physical development and also it's kind of cool. So I'd really love to be able to do that one day. And um, I reached out to her to ask for some, ask if she offers online lessons. And she hadn't really done anything like that before, but she was open to it. But she was, I felt like a little bit of skepticism from her as well. She was like, oh, just so you know, though, Uh, we might not actually be working on the PRF because the PRF really comes down to good fundamentals. And as soon as she said that, she even used the word fundamentals. I was like, girl, you are speaking my language. Like this is what I want to be told. Now she was referring to kind of different, like more like biomechanical fundamentals, I guess, rather than horsemanship or behavioral fundamentals. But the more I got um, talking with Kelly, I realized that she was on the same page as me with the horsemanship side of things as well. And she has said that that has made the prerequisite exercises that we're doing in preparation for the PR so much better because I already have that horsemanship fundamental basis with my horses. So you know, they're already confident and relaxed. They're already in a learning frame of mind. We already have that connection. And, you know, if I'm making mistakes, it's, it's not the end of the world because, um, you know, I have that trust built up with my horses. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it's been, and by the way, I've just loved being a student again, um, with Kelly, I was kind of hanging around, like kind of almost asking the universe for someone to pop up to, to coach me. And, um, like like bring me to that next level with what I want to achieve with my horses and Kelly popped up and I'm just like really happy to be having lessons with her. So um, go and follow her on Instagram. I, sorry, Kelly, but I'm unsure exactly how to pronounce your last name. I promise I will um learn how, but I will put a link to Kelly's Instagram in the show notes of this episode as well, because I think sometime in the future, she's going to be releasing some online courses too. And maybe one day, fingers crossed, she will come on the podcast. Um, English is not her first spoken language, so um, she finds that a little bit difficult, but I think her English is just fine. Um, So hopefully we can get her on the podcast also. The last thing I want to say about the fundamentals before we dive into everything about confidence is that little quote. I actually did a search for it before because I've seen it in multiple areas, but I literally could not find it when I Googled. So I'm just gonna give you my regurgitation of of that quote. And that is that beginners want to learn intermediate things. Intermediates, they want to learn advanced things, but advanced people want to refine the basics. Okay, so hopefully I haven't butchered that quote, but basically, it's, it's so true. So, you know, you see people like always wanting to, um, achieve that next thing and like do the fancy tricks and, you know, like me wanting to do the PRF, and then realizing, oh, actually <laughs> I've got to go back to those fundamentals. So i think the reason why this is the case is because the advanced people the people who have reached that level um, of expertise in their field they realize that it is all about those fundamental things it's not about the fancy stuff um an analogy that i can think of i don't know like this isn't a perfect analogy but um so when my husband and i we went on our honeymoon to Vietnam, um, Cambodia and Laos. And we stayed in some really nice fancy hotels and every hotel had a buffet breakfast. Right. And at the start, I think we were away for like three and a half weeks. And at the start we were having pancakes and bacon and eggs and like all the trimmings, all the bells and whistles. And we were just like stuffed full. And then, um, so that's akin to wanting to do all the fancy kind of cool advanced stuff. Um, And then by the end of the trip, I was literally having special K cereal and a coffee. Like that is all. And that's still kind of what I have for breakfast mostly um, each day. So like a really basic breakfast is just like, yeah, I was kind of over those fun, those fancy things and I just realized, oh, I actually don't need all of that for breakfast and I don't actually want all of that for breakfast. I'm quite happy with these basic things. Um, not a perfect analogy, but hopefully you can get the gist of that. Okay. Let's dive into everything to do with the fundamental of confidence. So I am going to talk about um, what my ideal picture of confidence and relaxation is in a horse, uh, my definitions of confidence with horses, the nine common mistakes I see people making when they're trying to help their horse be confident and relaxed, how to help your horse be confident and relaxed, including the five plus three techniques to have in your confidence and relaxation toolkit. And I'm also gonna touch on briefly on rider confidence. The fundamental is really about the horse's confidence, but obviously the rider's confidence comes into it as well. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about that too. So my intention for this episode is for you as a listener to understand the importance of developing confidence and relaxation in your horse as a fundamental of horsemanship and the basis for everything that you do with your horse. Okay, let's start with the definitions of confidence um, in horses. So I did Google the definition of confidence and it is the feeling or belief that one can have faith in or rely on someone or something. So my definition of confidence in horses is the ability for the horse to remain calm in a variety of situations and environments. And when they do inevitably show worry about something, because, you know, they're horses, they're prey animals, they're going to be scared about stuff, that they are able to find a place of relaxation and calmness again with the guidance of their person. And so why is it important to develop confidence in horses? Well, as we know, horses are flight animals. They they will get scared of things. They're naturally skeptical, afraid of things because anything that is a a threat to their safety, it is in their best interest to flee from that. And when I say threat to their safety, it's a perceived threat. So a plastic bag floating in the wind is a perceived threat. You and I both know that it's completely harmless, but the horse doesn't know that and it has served them for a long time as a species to err on the side of caution rather than be more curious and confident about those sorts of things. So this creation of curiosity and confidence um, in horses is a fairly unnatural thing, right? Um, Because this is not really how they are naturally, um, however, in a domestic environment with the things that we do with them, we owe it to our horses to help them be as confident and relaxed as possible because they will be in situations that otherwise will be quite threatening to their, that they will think is threatening to their safety and therefore create a level of stress in the horse that we ultimately would like to avoid or minimize if possible. How you approach scary situations with your horse specifically in a way that helps your horse helps your horse overcome their fear and come out of the other side of that situation relaxed and confident shows your horse that they can trust you so by going through the process of helping your horse transition from fear to curiosity to confidence and repeating that experience in different contexts helps to cultivate trust because the horse has multiple built up experiences with you helping them through situations where they're worried but actually they turn out to be completely safe and comfortable so they start to associate that comfort and safety with you but only if you can guide them through in a way where they don't feel um forced or pushed into it or like you're overfacing them. So only if it's a positive, overall positive experience in order to come to become more confident with that situation. I think it's also important for domesticated horses or horses in training, performance horses to have this experience of developing confidence in various contexts, um, such as First of all, being completely relaxed and confident with you as the human, you know, rubbing them all over, being in different areas of their body with your tools, with your your equipment, you know, bridles, saddles, saddle pads, rugs, boots, anything that you might use on them, um, clippers, uh, fly masks, uh, hosing them down, anything that they are feeling on their bodies or that you're putting them inside like a float um, or a stable or whatever it might be. Um, It's kind of your responsibility to help them feel confident and relaxed with those things so they're not in this constant kind of fear state when you do use those things. Um, also their environment. So there is potentially different environments that we might expose them to show environments, forest, the beach, um, vet clinics, um, you know, different arenas, different training environments, uh, on the road, lots of different contexts in which we might take our horses. And again, if you're planning on doing that, you want to have a system in place to help your horse feel calm, confident, and relaxed in those different environments. Um, And also there are just other unpredictable, scary situations that will come up that you can't really control. But if you have a good foundation of trust between you and your horse through these experiences of building positively, positively building confidence and relaxation in your horse, then those inevitable moments where there are unpredictable situations. So for example, in Australia, a kangaroo might just pop out of the forest as when you're forest riding, you know, most horses are going to spook out of that, but or spook from that. But, um, it's the way that you respond to that and how you recover from that, both you and the horse that can either make or break your experience and, and your relationship at the end of the day. So ask yourself this question. If your horse was completely scared of, say, streamers flapping in the wind, a spooky end of the arena, another horse approaching or a completely new environment, would you know exactly how to approach these situations where the outcome is that your horse is confident and relaxed? Because if the answer is no, if you can't answer that question, then you're lacking the fundamental of confidence um, in your horsemanship. And you've got to address that. Like I talk about having a confidence and relaxation toolkit. So personally, I have this toolkit of things, not a physical tools of actual techniques, because techniques are also important as well as philosophy, of course, but a toolbox of techniques that I can use to help a variety of horses be calm and confident in various situations in different contexts, right? Because as, as you know, a cookie cutter method for any type of training a species or human is is not um, like you, it needs to be able to be adaptable. And therefore, you need a variety of techniques um, to have at your disposal in order to use in various situations or at least trial in various situations. Um, so anyway, that is what I like to teach. I will be touching on those techniques in the toolbox today, but of course, if you want to dive deeper, that's covered in module three in Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy. Okay. So when your horse isn't confident, what problems appear and what does it feel like for the rider? When a horse is not confident for the rider, and and this is specifically when you don't have the tools to help them, for the rider, you can feel a bit helpless. Like you can feel like quite vulnerable as if this is whether you're on the ground or in the saddle. So if you're on the ground, it might feel like, um, you know, the horse is so worried, but they're like pushing on your space because they're insecure. You know, it feels like they're gonna ball you over or you might be leading them and you feel like, oh my gosh, if he spooks, he's going to completely run into me like I don't feel safe and under saddle it might feel like you're riding a ticking time bomb like you're just not quite sure if this horse is just gonna carry on like they are or if they're just about to explode it's a terrible feeling that they're more extreme examples But um, if your horse is more subtly unconfident, it can show up as like a brace or a low sort of line level of tension. And I think this is very dependent on the horse's unique personality as well. So sometimes, um, you know, I'll take uh, one of my horses out and I can feel they're a little bit on edge, say, um, and people go, oh, your horse is so relaxed. Like they're so calm and, um, you know, and I'm thinking, Oh wow, like this is actually not them calm. Like I can feel that they're a little bit on edge right now. Um, but it's it's not on edge in terms of ticking time bomb, but I can feel that slight level of um unconfidence in them. Um and of course I will help them through that, but it's, it can show up in more subtle ways is what I'm trying to say, especially depending on the horse. Some horses are much better at holding their tension in than others who kind of wear their tension on their sleeve, so to speak. So I, I try to think, especially if your horse is more introverted, so they hold their tension a little bit under their skin, try to think, okay, but if this was another horse, they would be like rearing and bucking and pulling away, okay? So just because your horse is, isn't comfortable showing their emotion of fear or unconfidence, doesn't mean that they're not experiencing that. So you still need to honor that feeling. The other thing, the other problem that can appear if your horse is not confident and relaxed is that they can't learn effectively, right? So if you're in a fearful state, you're not in a good learning frame of mind. Um, conversely as well, though, if you're too relaxed, this is also not a good learning frame of mind. Usually the, the best kind of zone is like for learning is, is that little bit of a stretch zone? Cause remember learning is stressful to a certain extent. So there will, they're not going to be like completely zonked out and like, you know, asleep. If, if you're teaching them something. So don't feel bad if your horse is showing some signs of tension or frustration in training. But we just don't want to get it to the point where they're completely over threshold. Because, you know, when they're completely over threshold, they're not going to be learning anything. They're just thinking about survival. The other problem that can happen if your horse is not confident is you lose your confidence. Because if you are constantly tiptoeing around a horse, worried that they're going to, Um, overreact, worried that they're going to spook or shy or um, you feel like you're going to be riding a ticking time bomb, it's not going to be enjoyable for you unless you're one of those crazy gung-ho riders who are just like, yep, I love the feeling of being completely out of control. Um, (laughs) Which, you know, I still think we need to consider the horse's experience in this too. Um, Yeah, I just think it's not going to be a pleasant experience and you're probably going to lose your confidence if your horse isn't confident so therefore it's important that you learn how to teach your horse to be confident to help you be confident oh gee so many confidence in the one sentence but anyway um so what is my ideal picture of confidence and relaxation in horses and how do I know when I've got it so I know that my horse is confident when they are mostly calm and relaxed when they are with me and I say mostly because like I've mentioned they're horses they're you know there is a level of unpredictability both with horses and with their environment um with with the environment um but you know most of the time i feel like yep they're pretty chill with what we're doing and what i'm asking etc but when they are worried i want to know that i can help them turn their fear into curiosity and then into confidence so i almost kind of see it as like a, a fun challenge now in a way when i'm like okay this horse is getting a little bit worried, what can I do to help pull out those skills in my confidence and relaxation toolkit, pick whichever one I think is appropriate for the horse and use that to help them find a place of relaxation again. My ideal picture of confidence and relaxation in horses also looks like the horse looking to me for guidance. And you may have heard this before, and it seems like such a, uh, it might seem like such a, a hard thing to achieve like why would the horse look to you for guidance when they're worried but once your horse has had multiple experiences overcoming scary situations in a way that you become their source of safety and that you guide them through that process to confidence then they begin to trust you and they do start to look for you to you for guidance in difficult kind of circumstances so much so that sometimes, you know, my horses will look at something like, you know, they'll turn their head, ears pricked, what is that over there? And I will look at that thing, whatever it might be. Sometimes I can't see exactly what they're looking at, but I trust that horses can see and sense far more than what we can because they're they're more equipped at living in outside environments. So I trust that they're seeing something. But I, So I look and I really look, I'm like, could there be something that is life-threatening over there? So I look. And then when I'm sure that there's not, and usually, of course, there's not, but um, I still want to believe them, believe my horse that they could could be seeing something potentially scary because sometimes they have. Sometimes they've picked up a snake um, or a fox or you know something that could actually be threatening. So I do look and I give it a moment and then I turn back to them and I sigh out and I just relax my body as if to say, I've checked that out. We're all good. It's nothing to be worried about. And the horse does the same thing. Not every single time, but you know, they might go, oh, she's okay with it. So I'm okay with it. Just quickly on that also, a quick tip for you when your horse is worried about something, make sure that you stand between your horse and the scary thing. Because if you stand on the other side of your horse, your horse feels like they're in the vulnerable position. And I feel like when I am on the spooky side i feel like i'm kind of protecting my horse and putting myself on the line before my horse and i'm keeping myself safe because if the horse does escalate they're not going to spook into me so they feel it i I don't know exactly why that works but that's my interpretation of why it does um and and it has certainly helped me on my journey whenever i'm having to help a horse feel more calm and relaxed in that kind of situation Okay, let's talk about the nine common mistakes that I see uh, people making when they're trying to help their horse be confident and relaxed or when their horse is afraid of something. So the first and probably the biggest mistake that I see is people over facing their horse or worse, forcefully pushing their horse towards something that they are afraid of. And this is definitely still embedded in the equestrian culture you know like show them who's boss make them do it push them through um and i have to say it's because it works you can push a horse that they're very uh, moldable they're very gullible in a way um but it's not my preference to do that because it's about the experience i i don't want my horse to feel like I'm going to push them into something that they don't like. So imagine this, let's use the example of snakes since that has come up. (laughs) Imagine you are terrified of snakes, which, you know, you probably are because most people are, (laughs) um, and it was my job to help you be comfortable with this snake because we've got a competition coming up where you have to wear a snake around your neck um (laughs) i don't know when that would ever happen but hey horses must think the things that we do with them are pretty crazy as well so imagine that's the scenario and i it's my job to help you feel relaxed with that snake and you walk towards it and i feel you hesitate And in that moment that you hesitate, I start pushing on your back, getting behind you, and really trying to force you towards the snake. What are you most likely to do? You are most likely to push back against me. And you're also probably gonna be thinking, oh my gosh, this person is, I I cannot trust this person. Like, I'm worried about this, and I'm telling them I'm worried, whether that's through, like, horses will tell you through their body language, But, you know, humans will say, hey, stop, I'm really scared about this. And if you, as the trainer, keep pushing, imagine how much that's going to damage your relationship and potentially create trauma for that person. So... I actually prefer to, when the horse first tells me I'm not okay, I actually rather wait in that situation. But I'm not gonna to go too much into the techniques yet because that's the next thing that I'm gonna talk about. Let's just stick to the um, mistakes. Otherwise, I'll be talking for hours and hours and hours about confidence. So first mistake, overfating, pushing your horse towards something that they're scared of. And when I say overfacing, I'm talking about um skipping too many steps so uh going straight to the end result that you want rather than meeting the horse exactly where they are at so for example let's say that you wanted to be able to ride with a tarp holding a tarp up over your head and flapping it around as you're cantering around the arena riding with one hand which you will see me do on my Instagram with both of my horses. It was a long time ago, probably like two or three years ago. Um, But it was a little challenge I did to help my horses be confident with that. Uh, Oh, actually, I think there's one of me doing it completely bridleless as well. But anyway, I did not start there. I did not go, let's see what happens when I'm riding bridleless and I hold a tarp above my head and flap it around because that would be overfacing my horse. My horse is very likely to, to overreact in that situation. So you've got to break it down. You've got to, I had to start with a much smaller step than that in order to gradually build my comfort, the horse's confidence to the point where they were able to tolerate and be confident with that kind of stimulus. The second mistake I see is people missing the little worries and those little worries, they add up over time to big explosions. Okay. So this is often talked about as trigger stacking in psychology. Um, And you might've heard that in the horsemanship space as well, perhaps with the cup analogy. And if you're not familiar with that, let me briefly explain it. So imagine that you've got a cup, an empty cup, and I've got a water bottle. And i'm going to be pouring water into that cup whenever i have a little bit of worry okay so and everyone's cup size is a little bit different so um you know the horse might be worried about leaving their friends in the paddock so we pour a little bit of water in then they think that there's some snakes (laughs) using the snakes example again um and so they get a little bit more worried but You don't address it. So we pour a little bit more water into the cup and then you try to put them on the float, but they're really scared about the float. So you force them in. Then we pour a large amount of water into that cup. And then these these worries just add up and add up. The water keeps being added to the cup until it's overflowing, okay? So we cannot, the whole point of the cup analogy is we cannot add more water to that cup or expose the horse to potentially more scary situations until we pour some water out. So until we address those little worries. So if you can be a little bit more mindful of the little worries that are being that are showing up and address them before you proceed, then you're gonna have a better chance of keeping your horse relaxed and calm. Okay, so mistake number three is not being confident yourself okay so horses i i think this really depends on the horse as well because some horses are um more susceptible to this than others especially young horses or horses who have previously had bad experiences um so they can thrive off their human's confidence or or they will become less confident if their human is not very confident. So if you're like, oh no, that's me. I don't feel confident around my horse, get help because um, you you need to develop that confidence to help your horse be confident. And I will talk about rider confidence a little bit later. The fourth mistake is not adapting to the individual horse. Uh, I touched on this before when I spoke about um, some horses holding their tension under the skin. But they're still actually quite worried that it's not expressing it in like a problematic way. So with these horses you still need to help them um, be more confident. It's just that it's it's just not more it's not as obvious as those horses who are going to display more problematic behaviors when they're worried. Some horses will need a lot more time building confidence with certain things. So again, young horses or horses who've previously had bad experiences um, and being okay with taking that time. Um, There are different techniques that help different horses. So learning, you know, which techniques particularly help your individual horse. Uh, So yeah, that's the fourth mistake I see is just not adapting to the individual horse. The fifth mistake I see when people are trying to help their horse be confident and relaxed is human type thinking around situations. As in thinking, oh, but they've seen a thousand 44 gallon drums before, so they should be fine with this one. You know, like thinking that the horse has had that experience, so they should be fine the next time. And that's just not how it works. We even know this when, you know, you might go around the arena to the left, say, so the horse is seeing a spooky object out of one eye the whole time, and then you go the other way and suddenly the spooky object is scary again. <laughs> and it's, and a human, human thinking is we can generalize, we can say, oh, it's the same barrel when we go this way as it is when we go that way. But horses don't think like that. It's a, it's a completely different experience for them when they view it out of their left eye versus their right eye. The same with different situations. Oh, my horse has had their first show now, so they'll be fine in all shows going forwards. No, every show might be different. There's different elements that could potentially make them less confident depending on that scenario. So yeah, I just think we need to believe our horses whenever they tell us that they're worried and not just assume, oh, but they've done this before, so they should be fine. So treat every day, every experience as a fresh start. And um, understand that it's, it, your horse's doesn't think like us. They don't think, oh, yep, I've done that, so I'm okay with it now. They're re- very much in the moment and assessing and analyzing things in the moment as to whether they are a threat to their safety. So you need to believe them and honor their feelings when they show you that they're worried, even if they have been exposed to that thing or environment before. The sixth mistake I see is people hoping that their horse will one day never spook, never show worry, basically be bomb proof. And I really don't think this is possible without, you know, shutting a horse down and which has its own, own problems in itself. But we are riding horses like they are going to spook. <laughs> they are going to be worried about stuff. Like that should not be, in my opinion, the end goal just to have a horse who like never is worried about anything because A, I think it's really unachievable. Um, and B, I think if that is your wish, if that's what you're hoping for, perhaps it's your confidence that needs more work because it sounds like you're afraid of those things popping up, but they are inevitable. So it's perhaps more your approach and your um, coping of those situations that needs work rather than wishing that one day the horse will never do those things. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't help your horse be more confident and relaxed because there's certainly things you can do to help with that. But just understand that even if you do all of those things, your horse will still have days where they're worried about stuff and that is okay. They are a horse. The seventh mistake is taking it personal when their horse does spook or get worried. So, um, you know, thinking like, oh my gosh, I thought my horse trusted me. Therefore they would never spook or, oh my gosh, my horse spooked. That means I'm a terrible trainer. Um, (laughs) no, it's okay. Again, the horse's They're going to be worried about things. It's more about your approach and how you deal with that. And this is something I've personally struggled with as well, because I preach that confidence and relaxation is definitely like one of the fundamentals and probably one of the most important fundamentals of horsemanship. So you know, it does pop up in my mind, like, oh no, what if people, I I put pressure on myself and my horses that we have to be perfectly relaxed all the time in every environment, especially in the public eye. And then I realized, no, actually, that's not the case. I think what's more important is that if and when those situations inevitably do come up, the way I conduct myself And the way I handle that situation is more representation of how I train rather than my horses being like robots that never spook or anything like that, right? So um, try not to take it so personally if uh, your horse does do these things, especially in public. The eighth mistake I see is going through the groundwork motions. So just thinking, oh, yep. Um, Well, I saw these three exercises on YouTube and they said that (laughs) these exercises are the best ones for keeping a horse calm and I'm just going to do them whenever my horse is worried rather than logically thinking about what the horse needs or having a variety of techniques to help that horse in that situation. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I think certainly having some groundwork tasks to go over uh, which is one of the techniques I'm going to talk about should, can help. Um, but I don't want you just to be relying on that because if you just do that and it doesn't work, then what, like you've got nothing. So, um, yeah, that's the eighth mistake. I guess it's more so not having a variety of techniques, like just relying on one kind of system or method. The ninth and final mistake that I see people making is my lovely heart-centered equestrian, so probably you guys listening to the podcast, and that is the mistake of trying to completely avoid stress, tension, or spookiness, or situations that might evoke that in your horse. Because avoiding these situations is not going to help your horse. Okay, so going back to the snake analogy, if my goal was to help you be confident with snakes, if we never actually you know, took steps towards that, you're never gonna be confident with snakes. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, if we never did it, I could keep you wrapped up in a cozy, comfortable bubble and you'll never be stressed and I'll feel good about that. <laughs> but that is not life, right? If we want our horses to be really well-rounded, confident, calm, Horses who are well prepared for their life as a riding horse, essentially, then it's our responsibility to progressively and systematically expose them to those things that could potentially make them worried. But again, it's all about how you approach it and help them to be, help them to have a positive experience with that, where the other side, they are more relaxed and confident. So try not to avoid completely those stressful situations but think about the steps that you can take towards them. So it certainly can be done in a way where you're not throwing them in the deep end. And and that's the way that I would um, recommend is gradually shaping out those small steps towards confidence and relaxation.
1: I'm Sarah from South Australia. I recently joined HFA because I've got a newly trained horse and I want to develop that positive relationship built on trust and confidence um, that will transfer into the saddle. Um, I really enjoy being part of the HFA community because it's encouraging and positive and the content is really easy to follow clear and logical you actually understand the reason for doing something or not doing something um which makes all the difference and I haven't been um a subscriber for long but I'm already seeing really great results in that I'm so much more aware of my horse's behavior and my behavior uh with my horse and around my horse and how important it is to nail the basics and the fundamentals um, so that everything else kind of falls into place later on. So, yeah, really enjoying it. Um, Couldn't recommend it more highly.
0: Okay, so how to help your horse be confident and relaxed Including the five plus three techniques to have in your toolkit. And the reason why I say five plus three is because the five techniques that I'm going to talk about, they are um, a part of equine learning theory. They are, they're like scientific principles. You can look them up and learn about them more. Um, And the plus three are things that, like, they're not included in the scientific equine learning theory, but they're little, oh, I suppose one of them is, but they're more things that i would encourage you to do on top of these techniques and they're things that have helped me in my own journey with my own horses and with my students okay so these five techniques plus three they are the confidence and relaxation toolkit and this is everything that i teach in module three of hfa and of course if you want to dive into that more you can sign up to hfa to do that but i'm just going to briefly touch on each of these techniques just to give you an idea of what they are and how you might be able to use them with your horse from all the research that i've done studying lots of different methods reading lots of books going to lots of clinics listening to other trainers interviewing other trainers etc um they these techniques like i haven't seen anything outside of these techniques so Every single horse trainer in the world that teaches people how to help their horse be relaxed uses one or more of these techniques that I'm about to share with you. They might word it differently or have a different explanation as to exactly what they're doing, but these are the overarching principles on how to help a horse be relaxed and confident, whether it's with a specific object or an environment or some kind of unique context. Now, um, I say that with confidence, but if there is someone out there who has a different technique that I have not heard of, um, then we can create a whole new category, that is fine. But most of the time, the techniques that horse people use to help their horses be calm or confident falls into one or more of these categories. So listen closely. So the first one, and probably the most important one, the most important technique, is technically what's called systematic desensitization, or in like, like kind of layman's terms, and you, you've probably heard of this before, approach and retreat. So I'm going to call it approach and retreat going forwards just because, um, well, desensitization has a bit of a bad stigma around it, to be honest, because there are uh, there's a real spectrum of ways people say they do desensitization. Um, and I like to, I prefer to say that I'm helping to build the horse's confidence and relaxation. The technique that I'm using is approach and retreat. Approach and retreat is basically where you would um, a- approach a scary object or have the scary object approach your horse and then retreat. Now the timing of the retreat is very important. Some trainers will choose to retreat only when the horse has shown that they will stand still or that they are no longer worried about that thing. Um, In the early stages of developing this confidence and relaxation with a new item or situation, I will retreat when the horse shows me that they're worried. And so (laughs) people might think, oh, but then you're teaching your horse to be worried about something. No, not necessarily, especially in those early stages. I'm showing the horse that I can see you're worried. I'm going to help it be easier for you. Over time and depending on the horse and um, how they're feeling in that specific moment, you can stay a little bit longer and wait for a sign of relaxation before retreating. But certainly in the initial stages, I will retreat when the horse shows me that they're worried. The opposite of approach and retreat would just be like approaching and (laughs) like never retreating. (laughs) Right. So that's... uh, it's gonna be very scary for the horse because they never feel like they they feel like it's permanent. They're so worried about this thing and it's just been strapped to them and or they've been locked inside it or you know they feel trapped. Whereas approaching and retreating shows the horse that it's not permanent and it does go away and it's not something to be afraid of. Gradually over time, you can start approaching with different intensities so a little bit faster, or you can increase the duration of that item being like placed on their body or being within the vicinity of the spooky item um, and, and gradually work on that. But the key is it's gradual, right? So we're taking small steps and we're only changing kind of like one criteria at a time in terms of we're either working on the intensity, the duration, we're working on the location, like on their body or, the, the closeness, the distance to the, the spooky object. um So yeah, this approach from retreat is such a valuable technique to have because it applies to so many different situations and really is probably the bulk of how I help a horse be confident and relaxed because it kind of, it does feed a little bit into the, some of the other techniques as well. Um, but it's, yeah, it's probably the the most essential one to learn, but I still recommend you learn the others as well. The next one is overshadowing and this is where I say like be be more distracting than the distraction. So some horses and in some situations, um, it doesn't help them to look and, inve- and investigate further into that scary thing. Um, like, so for example, if you're at a competition And you have to get the test done, so to speak. You can't stop and do approach and retreat. And um, like you don't have that time, the luxury of that time to help the horse in that situation in the spooky corner, say. So we have to do overshadowing. So we have to ride the horse kind of through that and help them focus more on us and our aids and communication more than that thing that they're worried about. Now this is in another context as well, where you will hear trainers that say, "Don't let them, don't let them look at it. Like do some, do these groundwork tasks. Um, get them really focused on you, and then they'll forget about what it is that they're worried about in the environment. And this can certainly help as well. And sometimes I use this." when I have given the horse the opportunity to look at the scary thing, maybe I've done a little bit of approach and retreat and they're better, but they're still not 100%. So I might do a little bit of overshadowing where I, I help them focus on me for a little bit, to take their mind off that scary thing. And then I might go back to approaching and retreating. Um, and with this overshadowing, it's important that you have um, a a, a buildup of different groundwork exercises that you can do to help the horse refocus on you in those moments. Um, so if you don't know how to do those, then get an instructor to help you learn or you know join a program. HFA will teach you plenty of groundwork tasks that you can do in those moments. Um, but yeah, that's you, you can't do overshadowing without having some of those things to do on the ground. Um, and overshadowing can be done with riding as well um, with various riding tasks. Okay, the next one is approach conditioning. So this is where you approach something scary and that scary thing moves further away. This helps to build confidence in horses because, well, the way I see it is like this. Okay, if there was a burglar like running towards you or someone like dressed in like a black hoodie and they've got like a knife in their hand, And they are running towards you. What are you most likely to do? You're going to be worried and you're going to try and run away, right? But if there was somebody in a black hoodie and holding a knife and they are running away from you, are you as worried? Probably not because it feels like the scary thing is getting further away from you. So that's my explanation as to how it works. I'm sure there's a more scientific answer, but um, I've seen this work really well with things like cars, bikes, um, even like stock, like cattle, llamas. We recently got some cows and llamas and horses, um, you know, were quite scared of them, but I spent some time like following the cows around in the paddock with the horses and, and now they're super chill with them. Um, I think, you know, I think cows in a different context might still be scary, uh, but it can really help a horse be confident if they feel like they can chase that thing or follow that thing and it moves away. So they kind of realize, oh, the thing is more scared of me than I am of it. So that's approach conditioning in a nutshell. Um, the next one is stimulus blending. And I love this one specifically for things that are very tactile, like um, washing your horse, fly spray, clippers, etc. So it's basically where you're combining a stimulus that they're already comfortable with, with one that they are not comfortable with. So for example, you might, your horse might be okay with you rubbing um your hand on their coat but they're not okay with you rubbing the c- vibrating clippers on their coat but if you hold the vibrating clippers kind of backwards and you rub the horse with your hand touching them the back of your hand touching them um that you're sort of combining your hand and the clippers at the same time so they can s- start to associate those two things together like oh they're kind of the same thing that's that's okay Um, I will often do this where if I'm trying to help a horse be comfortable with some kind of movement, whether that's like a stick and string twirling around or, um, a tarp flapping around, I will keep one hand on my horse so that. This is stimulus blending because they're both happening at the same time. I'm I'm combining that hand pressure that they're already comfortable and feel safe with with something that they're not so they can kind of associate those two things together eventually to the point where I can use the scary stimulus by itself because they've built up that association with the thing that they're okay with. And the fifth one is counter conditioning. So this is where you are making a potentially scary or negative experience a positive one through things that the horse likes like using treats or scratches um they're probably the two main ones that i would use so they're starting to associate that thing with the thing that they don't like so you know i might reward my horses with food when they become curious about the spooky thing that they were worried about um or you know you might use molasses water in your like a fake wormer so that you're counter conditioning the worming process you might give your horse scratches and and massage them when you're on the mounting block so you're counter conditioning the mounting block which perhaps they were not comfortable with but now they're starting to associate it with something more positive because you scratch and massage them and it feels good to be around the mounting block. So counter conditioning can be a fantastic tool for helping your horse be confident and relaxed because you're physically like changing, you're literally changing their mind um, about it being something that they don't like to something that they love. Now the plus three techniques to have in your toolkit, the first one is really boring, I'm sorry, but it's just waiting. Sometimes I think we get too much in our horse's way and sometimes we just need to wait for our horse to regulate their own emotions before we proceed. So this might look like you're walking to the arena and the horse stops and looks at something and you just wait and you allow the horse to just process that thing that they're worried about and realize that they're all good and then you can walk on. (laughs) So... Yeah, just giving your horse that extra time. And I think waiting and being a little bit more patient throughout this process of helping your horse be confident and relaxed can really help your horse, um, can help speed up the process really. It's one of my sayings, slow down to speed up because I think the more you can wait and be patient in this process, the more the horse feels like that they can trust you because you're not gonna rush or force them um, to that place where they don't want to be. The second plus three technique is um, somewhat controversial because I know some people would disagree, but that is this concept of asking for permission. Now you can call it what you like, but basically my definition of asking for permission is just allowing that horse to sniff um, or approach the thing that I would like them, that I would like to use on them say before I just put it on them. So for example, before I put a saddle pad on, Um, especially a young horse or a horse that's green um, I'll allow them to sniff that saddle pad first before and investigate it before I just throw it on their back you know imagine if I just came up to you and just put something on your back without showing you at first like I just think we owe it to our horses to to show them to metaphorically ask for permission before we use potentially scary things on them. And the third plus three technique is what I call 1% improvement or in scientific principles. This is why I was like, oh, maybe that is a scientific one is shaping. Okay. So really breaking down the process so that you're not over facing your horse. So for example, going back to using the tarp analogy earlier. Um, so I didn't start with a massive tarp. I mean, you could break it down so much that you're starting with the, you could cut the tarp up into a very small piece and gradually uh, use a, a larger tarp or you could fold the tarp and scrunch it up and make it make it much smaller and therefore easier to help your horse be confident and relaxed with before you start opening it up. So whenever you're helping a horse be confident and relaxed with anything, think about how you can make this easier for your horse. So you can have lots of little small wins that add up to the end result, rather than trying to get the end result and blowing your horse's confidence. So they are the five plus three techniques that I like to have in my confidence and relaxation toolkit, obviously very brief um, descriptions of what they are. But if you want to learn more about that, then HFA module three is definitely what I would recommend. Okay, before we wrap up, I did wanna touch on rider confidence because, or horse person confidence, I guess you could say, because even though this, when I talk about confidence, I'm talking about building the horse's confidence and relaxation as a fundamental of horsemanship, not necessarily the riders, although I do appreciate that that is a huge part of it. I just wanted to, like disclaimer, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a qualified like mindset coach or anything like that. Um, But I did want to touch on it because it is important. As I mentioned earlier, the horse can really feed off your confidence or your lack of confidence. So it's important that if you are lacking confidence, that you get help. And in HFA, actually, I have these module motivations. So at the start of each module, I do a little audio on some of the common like mindset roadblocks that people face on their horsemanship journey and one of them is confidence and I talk all about um, my opinions purely my opinion on how to overcome confidence issues now of course go see a professional um, you know do your own mindset work do journaling do affirmations like have meditation sessions etc all of that is vitally important and I'm not discrediting that in any way but personally, I'm very solution orientated and I'm like, okay, well, I could do all of those things and I will still not be confident unless I know how to handle that situation and I take steps towards actively solving that problem. Okay, so my remedy for, for lack of confidence is action and knowledge. So let's use the example of um, walking on a tightrope, say 30 meters above the ground. Alright, so you your goal is to work walk 30 meters, yeah, walk a distance on a tightrope 30 meters above the ground. So pretty scary, right? And obviously a risk for your safety. Now you could tell yourself that you're super confident and that and you could visualize it going perfectly and um do all the necessary mindset work. But unless you practice the skills and learn what you need to know in order to be successful on that tightrope you're probably not going to succeed. You're probably still going to fall off and hurt yourself. So you need to learn from someone how to successfully navigate a tight rope, you know, 10 centimeters above the ground and gradually shape out that process before you're able to do it at 30 meters. So you don't want to jump into the deep end and start... Start at that, the hardest part, even if your mindset is good. If you're lacking confidence, maybe you're overfacing yourself. Like maybe you need to go back to a level where you feel like, oh, actually, no, I feel like I can do that and find someone to help you fill in those knowledge gaps and show you what actions to take in order to get to that 30 meter tightrope, right? And I know that in um, psychology around confidence, they talk about the comfort zone, the stretch zone and the panic zone. So we know that you and and my courses, you can't learn in that panic zone. But equally, if you just stay in the comfort zone all the time, you're also not going to learn. You need to find that just that next step that you're a little bit like a little bit unsure but not just push so far over the edge that you're like freaking out. Um, and start at that stretch zone and gradually build from there. But help yourself be successful at that stretch zone by learning new things and taking steps at that stretch zone. So I hope that makes sense. It's kind of like, you know, you can have a really confident person, but they're not horsey. So they've got no experience or knowledge around horses. And you hand them a rope and a, and a dangerous, like a horse who's got dangerous behavior at the end of that rope. They're still vulnerable, even though they're a confident person. Okay, so that what they're lacking is the knowledge and skills on how to deal with that situation. And, you know, they haven't taken the actions to be able to be successful in that situation. So I'm very practical when it comes to writer confidence. I think once you're equipped with the appropriate knowledge and action steps, you will feel more confident because you know what you're doing. Anyway, um, that's just my two cents on rider confidence. Um, I hope that you got so much from today's episode, all about the fundamental of confidence in horses. And, um, this is again, a part of a three part horsemanship fundamental series. So stay tuned for part three, which is going to be all about communication. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll catch you in the next one. Hey everyone, Amalia again. And before we wrap up today's episode, I want you to take a moment to imagine this scenario. Your horse greets you at the gate and they're actually happy to see you. Maybe they give you a little bit of a knicker, their ears are forward and they're like, oh, hey, here's my human. I can't wait to see what we get up to today. You can take your horse anywhere and they don't pull, push or call out to their friends. They're focused on you and you can communicate clearly with each other in various situations. You can read your horse's body language and your horse understands you. You're connected on a deeper level. Your horse is confident and totally relaxed with you, the environment, their equipment, and the tasks that you do together. Your horse trusts you because you allow them to express their feelings and help them confidently in difficult situations. You can easily ask your horse to do things and they understand the and you understand the what, why, and how it's working. Your horse happily accepts their tack and stands still and calm to be mounted. You can ride your horse calmly on a loose rein knowing that they aren't wanting to run away or wanting to stop. You feel harmony, trust, connection and willingness with your horse. You can go to a competition or an outing or riding club and not have to worry about your horse being overly stressed or unfocused. You feel congruent and at peace with your horsemanship journey, equipped with the knowledge to solve future problems. And you are finally enjoying your horse in the way that you've always wanted, and your horse is enjoying their time with you also. Well, this is my dream for every horse and rider, and I know that it's possible because I've achieved it myself with my own horses, and have helped many students achieve it themselves through my online Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy, HFA. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows because of course you're going to have difficulties and breakthroughs along the way, but it's how you approach these things that make all the difference. And remember, when problems arise, it's usually because one or more of the fundamentals is lacking. If you listen to this podcast and all the incredible trainers that I interview and the things that we talk about sit right with you, but if you're honest with yourself, it's not really your reality right now with your horse then let me teach you the fundamentals and let's change that for the better. Just head to amaliadempsey.com and click on Academy to find out more and sign up to HFA. And remember, if you're listening to this in February or March of 2023, right now is the perfect time to join because I'm just about to do those four live bonus group coaching calls, which are not normally a part of the program. And I'm not sure if if or when I'll do these calls again. So don't miss this opportunity if you're thinking about joining HFA. I'm doing these calls so that I can help you troubleshoot and problem solve all the questions you have along the way. They will be recorded in case you can't show up live, but I also love connecting with you all live to hear about you and your individual horses and ultimately help you transform your connection, confidence and communication with your horse. So head to AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy to find out everything you need to know and make sure you sign up before March 22nd if you want to be included in the live group coaching calls with me. It's going to be so much fun to connect with you all. I'm super excited and I hope to see you in the Academy. Thanks for listening to today's show and I'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit the follow button so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or screenshot this episode and share it on social media. You can connect with me on Instagram at amalia underscore horses or my website amaliadempsey.com where you can find free resources to help you on your horsemanship journey. That's all for today. Thanks for being here. Remember to train with kindness and ride with excellence, and I'll see you in
1: the next episode.